I want you to give me some grace in that we're here to learn, okay? And I'm not afraid to deal with the most difficult, complex issues of philosophy. You pick it. You want some fancy words? Ontology, epistemology. I'm not afraid of that stuff. God's given me a mind, and I'm going to let him in my mind. And, and I, I enjoy this stuff, okay? Um, so when I say difficulties, contradictions, and offensive concepts, please don't leave her, leave her saying, well, Chris is a liberal. <laughs> he doesn't believe about That is not the case. I'm just trying to rip the lid off the can that's out there, okay? So, so please hear me with grace. Uh, we'll get to the good stuff, all right? It's going to be work, though. So I, I want to tease you with some stuff. I want, I want to just test your mind. Here's a doctrinal statement from Social Justice in the Gospels website. We affirm that the Bible is God's word. It's breathed out by him, okay? It is an errant, infallible, and the final authority for determining what is true. In other words, what we must believe and how we should obey, what's right, okay, how we must live. All truth claims and ethical standards must be tested by God's final word, which is scripture alone. Does that make sense to all of us? I absolutely believe that. To me, that's, I don't question that. I believe that God's word is holy. My stance is from Genesis to maps, is God's word and everything in between. It is the holy living word of God. That's my core conviction. And I'm not bending on that, okay? Do I acknowledge there's some tough stuff in between? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why we need each other to go and learn. And therefore, I believe that all claims about truth, what is right, what is wrong, must be tested by Scripture. Does that make sense? Kind of brings it down to a sharp edge. Okay? For example, just to tease it a bit, um, what about drinking alcohol? What about drinking Social drinking or, or private drinking at home. Uh, you know, it used to be it used to be a real barn burner to talk about dancing and playing cards, those kinds of things. You know, kind of you don't hear much about that anymore, but there's some issues that are really, really sensitive. Should Christians see already movies? You know, pick your issues, okay? Um, there's gotta be an answer to these questions, all right? And I believe God's word really does provide answer. All right. Now, pay attention. It's going to get tough. I want you to think. Look at this next paragraph. If we affirm the above, then we have to deny some stuff, right? We deny that Christian belief, character, or conduct can be dictated, that's an important word, by any other authority. Okay? And we deny that postmodern ideologies derive from, here's some big words, intersectionality, radical feminism, and critical race theory are inconsistent with biblical teaching. What in the world does that mean? Michael, you third, you third breath. Yeah, critical race. <laughs> it's real. Uh, we further deny that competency to teach on any biblical issue comes from any qualification for spiritual people other than clear understanding and the simple communication of what is revealed in Scripture. <clears throat> is that going to a little ouchy? 
No? Janice is saying, no, let's pay attention to those three words because they're kind of challenging, all right? Intersectionality and, and critical race theory and radical feminism are all a part of what is known as uh, the new socialism that is raging in our culture today. The idea of intersectionality simply means this, and, and we, have, we have minorities represented here, okay, is this, that the very political system, the very legal system, religious systems, the economic systems of our culture, by default, are prejudiced against and discriminate against minorities. That the very systems in our culture, politically, economically, the, the government on all levels, everything, is, has been designed and conditioned for to give a white an advantage. And to give a minority, and, and minorities in all of its forms, a disadvantage. That is, what, that is what the intersectionality, radical feminism, and critical race theory are all about. There it is in a nutshell, okay? The very social system in America is inherently bent toward favoring a white and being discriminatory toward uh, a minority, okay? By the way, I think that's true in many ways. I really do. I think there's a whole lot of reality in that. But please pay close, this is where you've got to listen, give me some grace, okay? Those three lenses are not acceptable as the means by which you interpret this book. That's where you have to depart from these folks. You can't put on the, the lenses of intersectionality and use that to properly get at scripture. You can't. That's not a fair hermeneutic. It's not a fair rule of interpretation. You can't do that. Okay. If you start to go down that path, you can take this book and use it to say anything you want it to say. And you, there you go, we're breaking a major rule. You can't do that. Because whose words are these? They're God's words. Okay. And you can't, this, listen please, hear me. You can't take God and bring him down and create him in your image. You can't. You cannot create your God in your image, and you cannot make God's words your words. You can't filter God out and do the pick and choose, the cut and paste Bible, and, and whittle it down to, to get it to a point where if, if you know, God's got to agree with you. That's not how it works. So I deny that those three things are, uh, are good lenses to interpret Scripture. Okay. By the way, is the scripture against racism? The big picture? Yes. The scripture is against racism. Yeah. Is the scripture, is, is the Apostle Paul against the devaluing of women? He actually is. A lot of, a lot of again, old school pastors uh, have misread Paul, they misread historical concepts. And they, and they make women out to be these inferior kind of things. When they're not. In Christ, there's neither male nor female. All right? So there's some real stuff. I'm just, these are real problems. I'm just saying they're not a good hermeneutic. They're just not a, a good interpretive lens that you can put on to read scripture. Because if you've been on that path, anything goes. There's got to be a better way. Okay? Let's look at that better way. Okay? If you really believe 
that God's word is God's word, and you want to interpret it well, number one, pray. Ask for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Okay? Because the scriptures are clear, you have an anointing from the Holy One. Okay? Ask God to reveal himself through his word. How about this? Number two, learn to discern Jesus on every page. See Jesus on every page. All right? In Genesis, he is the seed of the woman. It is his heel that will strike the head of the serpent. In Exodus, he's our deliverer. He's our Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's, the, he's our purity. We can go on and on and on. In Deuteronomy, he is the full embodiment of the law and all things that is right in the eyes of God. Learn to see Jesus on every page. You start seeing Jesus on every page, and it's going to help you interpret Scripture well. How about this one? Some stuff's pretty complicated. Ask your pastor to help. Ask a Bible teacher to help. Look at what Peter says. Uh, there are some things that Paul writes that are hard to understand. <laughs> you know, Peter said that about Paul. He writes some things that's difficult to understand. Oh, and by the way, some people in church take it and they're ignorant and they're unstable and they twist scripture to their own destruction. That's real. Uh, last count, I checked, fact checked it, 33,000 denominations in the U.S. 33,000. There are folks twisting scripture to make it say what they want it to say. How about this one? Or understand the idea of progressive revelation. Is that new to anybody? Raise your hand. Is that new? You're familiar with it? Progressive revelation? It simply means this. God, can, God gives you only what you can handle. That's the idea. And when, when you begin in Genesis and you work through the law and the history of the prophets in Israel, you see that God is staircasing the nation taking him right up to Malachi, where Jesus Christ is introduced as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, we hear that idea of Jesus is the Lamb, and we think, oh, that's nice. That's a nice thought. But if you go back and you look at the history of Judaism, you see progressive revelation. All of a sudden, you get the idea that there's animal sacrifice. Hmm, why is God introducing the idea of animal sacrifice? And that blood can make somebody clean? That's an idea. And then that builds and builds and builds. You see the concepts of faith. And, and then it gets, to, it gets to the New Testament. And a guy who was known as the baptizer <coughs> says, Jesus, there he is, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That is an idea called progressive revelation. Okay? You parents, do you tell everything you know to your kids? Okay. Number five, know the difference between description and prescription. Okay. For example, if it says in Matthew 5.38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Is that description? Sure, it's telling you what is What's going on in Jewish culture? In Jewish culture, you've heard eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Does that mean, is that a moral command? No, because it's descriptive. But when he moves to prescription, he is telling you he's prescribing belief and prescribing behavior. But you, you don't resist one who's evil. Another one slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. 
Description tells you what is. It doesn't tell you what should be. Prescription tells you what should be. Does this make sense? So when you read scripture, know the difference. If you don't, you're not sure what, what the scriptures are saying. Number six, know the difference between devotional readings and theological readings. Know the difference. For example, look at John 1, 35, 36. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, if you're doing a devotional reading, and you just got unfriended on Facebook, and your feelings are hurt, and you've got bad friendships, and you read that, and you go, well, it's important for me to stand with my friends who are disciples. Right? Isn't that what it says? John was standing with two of his disciples. Well, a devotional reading would say, I need to stand with my friends who are disciples. Have good friends. And you write your devotion out. God told me to have good friends who are disciples. Okay? But then you've got a theological reading. What's really happening in the text is John, or God is using John the Baptist to help introduce Jesus as the Messiah. That's a theological reading. Which one's right? What? Both. Both are right. Both are right. This is an example of how God's word is living and how God's word through the Holy Spirit can speak to you over something as simple as, hey, maybe there's some friends you need to move toward. Maybe there's some friends you need to pull back from because they're hurting your walk. Does that make sense? There's a difference. Is there a potential problem here? Kick it in gear, think. Is there a potential problem with this? What? What would it be? Being single-minded, not seeing the other side. Absolutely. Or having a devotional, emotional, devotional event, and then making that legally apply to everybody. Can't do it. Gotta be real careful. When those emotions kick in, be real careful to turn that into some legal idea. All right? All right, seven. Know that division was literal and figurative. That shouldn't be too hard. The trees of the field will clap their hands. That's figurative, right? Okay. Uh, what about this one? But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. Wouldn't it be great if that was figurative? <laughs> Thank you for chuckling. Uh, it's not. Yeah, it's not. <coughs> That's literal. Yeah. Yep. There is prescription. There is prescription that's literal. We really are supposed to love our enemies, do good those, to those who hate us, bless those who curse us, and pray for those who abuse us. That's not optional. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, and you claim that God's word is the living, breathing word of God, then that is a, that's a prescription. You do that. That's not optional. Okay? Um, oh, by the way, Holy Spirit, if he, if he wants the trees to grow hands and clap, he can do it. Okay? He can do it. All right. Know the difference between the text and the context. If you were going to interpret Galatians 1.10, for am I now speaking the approval of man or seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I just trying to please people? Or trying to please people, trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. 
What is he talking about? If that's all you, that's all you get is verse 10. What does he mean? Somebody venture a guess? Okay, keep going. He's just using Ireland. He's just using a little sarcasm to get to the point of God. Okay, Paul being a little, a little snarky. Snarky Paul, what else? What else is going on here? He's reacting to something. Do we know what it is? If all you get is verse 10, do you know what it is? No, no. And yet this is the word of God. Right? What do you have to do? You got to read before. You got to read after. When you do, you go, "Oh, now I know exactly what Paul's reacting against." And Paul's not so snarky. He's not snarky at all. Paul's being a truth teller, and he's confronting a serious deception in what's going on in Galatia. But if that's all you get, Paul's being a little rude. Looks like Paul's got a chip on his shoulder. Okay, know the difference between the text and the context. There's a big difference. All right, we're almost done. Know the difference between information about Jesus and the character of Jesus. This is important. Look at this. Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. What kind of truth? The truth that accords with godliness. He repeats that in 1 Timothy 6.3. If anyone teaches a different doctrine that does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, wow, how's that for hermeneutic? Is this something Jesus would say? Is this something he would do? Would he believe this? Would he do this? Just because you have information doesn't mean you're right. Do you have the character of Christ? And if you want to get into some solid Christian doctrine, the good stuff makes you like Jesus. Okay? Anybody can dig into information and become just eggheads. That's not good. Is this the kind of stuff that Jesus would say? Last one. Give yourself permission to accept the mystery of God's word. Do you think you're going to know everything from Genesis to Maps? Every possible angle, insight. No, Isaiah, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And I can take scripture and I can send it out and give it a mission and you don't understand it, but it will accomplish the task to which I have assigned it. And that's just like snow can nourish the earth or water can, can nourish the earth. My word will accomplish my purpose. And we can't stop it. There's a mystery to the Word of God. And there's authority in it. Okay? Alright. There it is in summary. By the way, I'm going to get this down on our website so you can have everything here. Alright? By the way, check this out. Look what Rick Warren said. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear them or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. I totally agree with that. I think Rick nailed it. I really do. We cannot all agree with each other on all issues. You just can't. 
with 33,000 denominations, with pluralism going on, and, and this incredible pressure of political correctness. We're afraid to speak our opinions, our convictions, because we're gonna hurt somebody, and if we hurt somebody, it must not be of God. Well, that's a lie, that's deception. And we're torn between two radical, absurd extremes that don't apply. You can be a truth teller and love people, even people that you radically disagree with or they radically disagree with you. If we get to the point that we're afraid to live by truth and by sound reason and certainly by the word of God, and I'm not trying to make America a Christian nation. I certainly don't want America to be a Muslim nation either. But we have to learn to do the truth, okay? And not be afraid of it. All right, how are you gonna do that? This is critical. How are you gonna do this? This will all be printed out for you. How can you stand for truth? How can you stand for grace? How can you stand for love in a liberal culture of pluralism? What do you do? Number one, you've got to make a life-changing decision to get on the Great Commission. I've already lost half of you right there. <laughs> for so many of you, for so many of us, the Great Commission means nothing. That's some other burden that belongs to somebody else. We're not in the game. We're not trying to, we're not trying to tackle culture. We're not trying to deal with people. We're not trying to meet needs and, and have be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We're not even in the game. In fact, we're not even in the stadium in the stands. We're at home doing our stuff, and I'm lucky if I get you on Sunday morning. Lucky me. I get you. Okay. If you really want to be a part of social justice, if you really want to be a part of influencing the world, you need to get in the game and make a decision that you're going to make a difference. All right. And by the way, can I be a little snarky just for a second? Just because you post some emotionally charged information on Facebook doesn't mean you're really a game-changing kind of Christian, okay? Just because you post it doesn't make it real. All right, number two. Settle up on your Christian doctrine. Settle up. What do you believe? Honestly, what do you believe? What do you believe about morality? What do you believe about politics? Should Christians be involved in politics? You say, some say yes, and I have no idea. What about, what about um, uh, praying for your president? Is that something we should do? If you commit to scripture, sure, sure. What do you believe? What do you believe about marriage? What do you believe? Is it, is it like to, to, to death do you part or until irritation drives you crazy? You know, what, what do you do? You know, no kidding. These these ex, uh, issues exist. Uh, true story. Old Testament, or rather, New Testament. Pharisees and Sadducees. You know, there were two schools of thought: the school of the great Rabbi Shammai. Now that's a strange name, Shammai. And the school of Hillel. One's really liberal. One's real conservative. You know what the liberal school said about divorce? Anybody? Venture guess. <coughs> What's that? Yeah, you can divorce your wife if she literally burns bread. If, quote unquote, if she serves you a spoiled dish. Divorce your wife. You're right. <laughs> We're in trouble, people. Okay. Or, or, quote unquote, she finds no favor in your eyes. Seriously. Or she's pleasing in some other way. 
There was, that was actually believed and practiced in the New Testament period, the first century. It's crazy liberalism. And what does Jesus say? No. He takes the door of, of divorce and he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He does that. But it was this. Did Jesus fight for women? How, why do you say he did? Why? Jan, why? Yes, okay, that, let's just, just take her. Yeah. Okay. So if you're a Jewish woman yeah. in a highly legalistic of U.S. culture and your husband divorces you because you burned the bread, okay, now what? You're a divorced woman. You're shamed in the city, in the village. Who's going to want to marry you? Nobody. So now what happens to that woman? None. In fact, and how, how old do men live? Average age? 40 to 45. Dad's dead. Mom's not living much longer. So does she have family to fall back on? Not necessarily. And by the way, she's a dishonored, shamed woman. What's a woman left to do? Trying to make it. I'm telling you, Jesus fought for women. Jesus engaged in social justice. Okay? And never, never compromised the truth of God. Never. That John 117, wow, this is, this is amazing. The law came through Moses, but when Jesus Christ came, he brought grace and truth. In him, those two things met. Grace and truth. Wow. All right. Settle up on your convictions. What do you really believe? Okay. By the way, if you're not sure what you believe, I promise you, you're not going to be engaging culture really well. All right. Well, I, just, I don't know, but I just have a feeling about this. Oh, okay. Number three, practice interpreting Scripture in a responsible, God-honoring way. Take off the feelings, Okay and put on some common sense and the Holy Spirit when it comes to reading Scripture. Quote, unquote, learn to rightly handle Scripture, rightly divide God's Word. Four, integrate your behaviors with your beliefs to avoid hypocrisy. Ow! Ow! Can I put it another way? Christ Church, I love you. Are you listening? We do not have a right to hate somebody because they sin differently than we do. Did you hear me? Are you hearing the touch of the Spirit on that? We don't have a right to hate somebody because they sin differently than we do. There was a point in one of my churches where someone opened up and said something really condemning about someone with an SSA. And they needed to lose about 100 pounds. But that's okay. Let me's okay. I'm just grabbing it. One, I could have grabbed that a thousand things, okay? I'm just trying to tell you. If you're going to pick on a particular issue, be careful. Be careful. Because if you're a hypocrite, you're too late. And you just like to focus in on one little problem because, ooh, that one's nasty. Let's go for that one. And you're drilling in on that one. And you're oblivious to the fact 
that you tell lies <coughs> and you reek with pride and arrogance and you cheat on your taxes because you think you have a right to do that, to not report to the IRS what you should. Can I go on? Need I go on? I think you get the point. Right? Make sure that you integrate your belief and your behaviors so that you're not a hypocrite when you go to engage on social injustice on a particular issue. Uh, I think Jesus might say something like, practice what you preach and preach what you practice, something like that. So lifestyle, this is a great way. This is heavy duty stuff. Try living out the character of Jesus. I didn't mean to say try. I'm nuts. Please, live out the character of Jesus. This is my life. Live it out. You know, again, you can have all the information about Jesus and he can make no difference in your life. Just because you've got good information doesn't mean you, you know, you're living this stuff out. Live out his character. Bear the fruit of the Spirit. You know what? Love, joy, peace, patience. I want those people to be my best friends. I am drawn to that. It's like photo, I'm phototrophic. I'm drawn to light. I'm drawn to love, joy, peace. I'm drawn to that. Okay. And when you speak the truth in love, it's, it's, it, it, you'll, 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 you'll just listen. Uh, how about this pray? Jesus said when, when, when our eyes are lifted up to see the harvest, what should you do? You should pray. How about love people? What do you think would be the impact on a Roman soldier who had, by Lex Italianus, by the law of Italy, the law of Rome, said, if you're a soldier, you could conscript somebody, grab them up, say, carry my backpack, one mile, Roman law. Do it. You've got to comply. And Jesus said, tell me what, go two. Go two miles. Someone slaps you, turn your cheek. Don't slap back. What's going to happen in your relationships should you do that with the right happy heart attitude, mind you? Not pouting on that second mile. Not complaining. Yeah. What if you did it with that? What if you did it with a happy heart attitude? What would happen? Potentially. What would happen? It's so late, Stephen. I'm so sorry. Real quick, somebody help me. Rescue. I wonder why you were so different. There you go. Man. Serve people. Talk, talk about your faith. Don't just feel about your faith. Talk about your faith. Be faithful. Um, if you're like me, sometimes I'm tempted to just quit because I get tired. I get real tired. Okay. All right. <clears throat> if you're going to decide to engage in social activism, know the difference between fake news and really fake news. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Get the facts straight. Because what's being reported on at the border, come on. But if you are supercharged by your emotions and everything's a reflex emotionally, you're reacting and posting and you don't know what's going on. Know the difference between the fake news and the only fake news. Get the facts straight. Number seven, always default to grace, truth, and love. Always, always. Okay, it's good stuff. All right. I've had so much anxiety about this. I'm just like, Holy Spirit, please take over. You're the gifted body of Christ. How do we live this out? Why does this matter? If you really believe God's word is alive, living, breathing, and it's truth, and it's truth that goes above culture, 
It really does apply. And it applies to all of us, even people who are atheists. Right? And you want to get in the game of the Great Commission, you want to get in on the fight, you know, like be that athlete on the football field, Justin's got gouges on the helmet and grass stains and tears, or the guy on the bench that has a squeaky clean uniform, or the guy in the stadium, or the guy at home yelling at their team player. David, God gave us two ears and one mouth. Okay. Someone else. Why does this matter? Uh, Allison. Um, I think you also have to realize how juvenile your belief may be. Mm-hmm. Because I thought I knew what I believed <clears throat> until a sibling of mine divorced. Do I, do I support that? Do I, how do I, how do I love them through that? I thought I knew what I believed until a sibling, sibling of mine And I'm, I'm going to go out on the limb with you guys, and please don't, please don't misunderstand me here, okay? You have no idea how conservative I am. In fact, I'm to the right of conservatism. You just don't know it, okay? I just, I'm not going to beat you over the head with it. I really am. Republicans are liberal to me, okay? I am, and I'm, I'm joking, but I'm not. I am extremely conservative, all right? And I will not budge on God's word. I am not afraid of the truth, but I'm also not afraid of love either. Allison is on to something that's critical. Please don't misunderstand me. Please don't let the church do the thinking for you. Please don't do that. Why is that unhealthy? You don't own it. What's that? The church doesn't know everything. It's impossible. It's impossible. I want you to question every single thing that is said from this pulpit. And I want you to run it against the words of Jesus, the, 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 the character of Jesus, do it from Genesis to Maps. And let's work this thing out. All right. I am extremely conservative, but I have to be so careful. All right? Because I may be 10 steps ahead of you, and if I do, I lose you in a heartbeat. 
I'm, I'm gentle with you. I'm very gentle. All right. Truth is real. It is God's word. We're accountable to it. There is a coming judgment. And everything's going to be on the test. Everything. Justin. chides the church for going out and judging the world's behavior. Um, and he says, I did not at all mean for you to yes. not associate yourself with the people in the world. Yes. Like, but I'm talking about you and your brothers and sisters in Christ in the church that those actions are you know, the judgment of God starts with the church. Yes. Yes. And, and so I think there's a lot of beauty in that because Present the gospel. Maybe you're free to love people because they're not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're yes. not that. You're not God. Yes. Yes. Um, Cody, in a song. I'm so just gonna piggyback on what he was saying there. It's really evident what Paul's saying, not to judge the world like that, but to get on about judging people in the church. We always default to this idea with the pastor or the staff or even those. Get up here where we are, you know. Get up here where we are. You're not. You're you're sinning down there. When the one lie is the same as whatever. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, um, yes. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Cody. Real quick, wow, it's late. Here's an example of telescoping and just looking at like the verse you want to look at. Like, what about the verses about SSAs and the the the, the death penalty uh, is applicable to an SSA or uh, people with SSAs can't go to heaven, right? Okay. Guess what? Revelation 21. Do liars go to heaven? No. Burn, burn, burn. Remember that song? Burn, burn, burn. Okay. So you got to be real careful about telescoping our belief and saying, oh, boom, look at that. Oh, they're not getting in. And we miss. You want to know what the truth is about who gets in? Nobody. Nobody. Thank you. Nobody. Does it matter what the issue is? You're not getting in. <laughs> Nobody's getting in. It's all by the grace of God. All the grace of God. Does it make sense? So we've got to be real careful about hating someone because they sin differently than we do. It's called hypocrisy. And Jesus had a whole lot. Uh, Cody, who did Jesus have dinner with? This is what we're talking. You want to engage the culture? You want to get in on the game of the Great Commission? Who are you having dinner with? What are you talking about? Yeah. What are you talking about? Uh, Quinn. This is going to be good. Quinn. Yes. 
Yes. Do you realize what just happened at Christ Church? <laughs> How old are you? When Jesus was 12, he went to the temple. And he engaged with the teacher. Thank you. So, I'm sorry it's just taking around. You're fine. Uh, you've been talking about core beliefs. Yes. That's where it all starts. Yes. And I think we have to remember that our we have a duty, if you will, to recognize that it's a two-way street between us and Jesus mm -hmm. and God. Mm -hmm. We have to participate in that. God is benevolent. He will forgive us for our sins, but we have to ask. It's not <clears throat> automatic. So it's an ongoing day-by-day -day ritual, if you will. Yes. Yeah. And to me, that is so important. Oh, it is, Terry. Thank you so much. Um, the at Stephen, forgive me, I know it's late. Thank you for, for being patient. <coughs> I know Stephen lost his voice, so he's going to growl as he loses his voice. I want you to hear grace this morning, okay? I want you to hear grace. I want you to hear life. I want you to hear hope. If all sin separates, all sins, and we are only brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, do you understand how critically important it is that you give Jesus your heart? That you become a follower of Jesus? Do you understand how critically important that is? None of us are righteous on our own. None of us is, is acceptable in and of our own selves with our own moral codes, whatever they may be. We are not made acceptable. This is what is acceptable. It is the blood of Jesus. So Paul writes, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in that. All right. I don't want you to miss out on the grace of God. Some of you, um, I know this for a fact, have not settled up on your convictions about forgiveness. And you live in a cloud of shame. You live in a cloud of guilt. And you can't get out of it. You haven't settled up on just how clean the blood of Jesus makes you. Just what it means to be completely forgiven. You still struggle with the fact that whether, whether or not you're loved or you're good enough. You still struggle. You, it's like you're in a spiritual ER. Wherever you go, the cloud of shame follows you. And no matter what, it's always bad. You've not settled up on the love of God revealed in His Son, Christ Jesus. Christ Church, I dare you to get in the game. I dare you to do that. Holy Spirit, please don't let me hurt anybody's feelings. Dan and Lacey, I love you guys. I love you guys. 
Dan and Lacey are in the game. They're in the game. Mason, you're in the game. I don't know, 15, 20, 30, 40 people on Thursday nights at Regent, you're in the game. Helping them deal with addictions that they think destroyed their life and, and create such a gap between them and God that there's no way God would love them. You're a part of God's answer. You're in the game. Thank you. And I, there's many, many more. Uh, Andrea Lowry, there are people whose lives are broken and they come to you. You're in the game. And you're speaking truth without flinching. Grace to you. Grace to you. Some of you need to get, in, get out of the stadium and get in the game. <coughs> and not grow weary in doing good. Boy, do we need each other. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What do you believe? And if you believe the truth is God's word, then you can't be silent. Allison, you're wise. We've got to settle this up. Right. Now, I've given you the tools. I've given you 10 tools in the toolbox on how to interpret scripture. I'll, I'll put them on the website, okay? Go to the podcast, so it'll all be there for you. See a huge document. Um, all right, I've got to stop. i got to pray. I'll be Father. I love you and I beg. I beg, Father, that we would turn from the lies, the deceptions. We'd accept the truth of your word. We'd be people of your book. Not ashamed of your words. We wouldn't hide in fear with the pressure of political correctness coming down on us. We would speak the truth in love. We would serve. We'd be your hands and feet. And we'd take the right people to dinner to talk about the right stuff. And not be ashamed of you and not be ashamed of your gospel. Father, please, in your mercy, let your favor be. We choose to sing songs about who you are. And I am so grateful. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.